everyone. Welcome to Everyman BJJ, a weekly show covering MMA and BJJ news and training tips. Good afternoon, Frank. Um, I'm in the dark like a mushroom. You're out in the sunny skies like a flower or a tree or whatever you want to call it. But um, it's Sunday afternoon, and therefore it's go time with uh, the Everman BJJ podcast. And uh, today I'm, um, I you know, I would say relieved or or not or just on balance, more of like I'm balanced with. Uh, with making sure that we get in our podcast uh, today, and even it's just you and I. I know we didn't plan to have a guest today, so with that, with all that, um, welcome. Thank you, buddy. And yeah, yeah, I'm here. Uh, 65 degrees, sunny. We had a w- really windy day yesterday, as you know. Um, the wind's not that bad right now, so you know I'm a big vitamin D fan. You know my my skin likes the sun. I can sit out here for for hours and no sunscreen usually um and uh and i'd be better off to be shirtless but i guess for the appropriateness of our uh, of our podcast i won't do that yet we might get there because even though stuff like that's weird and it's different noah i like to you know more and more i like to multitask i like i like multitasking i know that supposedly supposedly Women are better natural multitaskers than men. I don't know if that's true. I hear people who claim that say that. But I've always liked, you know me, I'm, I'm kind of renaissance. I like to have my hand in this and my hand in that. And I like to do a lot of things at, at once, juggle a lot of balls. So um, two, 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 two birds, one stone, no, no, no birds were killed. But under the sun, vitamin D, and then I got you on the other end and since we're here, you know, we, we decided to not have a guest, you know, because we don't want a guest every weekend because you and I have to, you know, we we have a lot of things to talk about as well and to to uh, to ponder. So one of the things, and we're a couple weeks late, but I wanted to get it in. Uh, Kamaru Usman, 170-pound UFC champion who just fought Gilbert Burns. I've trained with Gilbert Burns in the past here in Las Vegas. He came out with Vitor Belfort. Um and of course, he's got phenomenal jiu-jitsu, and I believe Gilbert Burns had won six in a row. Cameron uh, Usman, I think, had won. He broke GSP's record not for title defenses, but for consecutive wins in the welterweight division. I think thirteen in a row now. So the reason I wanted to talk about that, and I think that that has relevance and importance to anybody who trains in the combat sports. And to, you know, just any person out there, any life circumstance, um, uh, the, the, one, of the, one of the things that I saw there, um, first of all, that guy's a master. He's the best since GSP that I've seen put it all together and, and change strategies, fight to fight to fight. Damian Maya was phenomenal at that, too. Even though Damian Maya was never a UFC champion, he's got among the most wins ever in UFC. Um, Damian Maya, you didn't know what guy would show up. He would change the takedowns. He did. He would change the strategy. If you said his boxing was sucky, he'd hit you with something that was harder than you thought. He was very cerebral. And, and what I wanted to talk about with Usman was this. Usman has been very humble and quiet as a UFC champion. He's been understated. Even when he, before he was champion, 
he's a quiet guy. He's a nice guy. I think he, I think my sense is that he's a spiritual guy. And what happened with this fight is it was kind of like no more Mr. Nice Guy. That was kind of what I saw more negative energy in Usman. And when I say negative energy, I don't mean that in a slanderous or derogative or negative way. A lot of other people out there, when they hear negative energy, they automatically make the assumption that it's terrible, it's bad, it should be purged from the earth. I don't mean that way. You know, I've talked uh, here before about the ability to tap into that negative energy and, and, and use it as fuel and to channel it and, and do something productive with it. And I saw, if you watch anybody out there, go watch uh, Usman's comments post-UFC, post-victory. I mean, you talk about ego. I mean, he's got a champion's ego. He's got a champion's heart. He's like, look, he called out Jorge Masvidal. He's saying anybody who wants it can come get it. And he, and he was really like, he's like, you know, put respect on my name. And Joe Rogan was saying to him, like, bro, everybody puts respect on your name. And what Usman meant is, yes, people respect me, but they don't respect me at the level that I deserve because I'm, I'm, I'm an, I'm, you know, Usman is shaping up to be in the conversation as an all-time great, not just, not just like, should he be in the top five pound for pound best fighters now? He's saying, look, if you look at my record, if you look at my resume, you're not giving me enough respect. He doesn't have the followers. He's not, you know, he's probably not making the money via sponsorships that some other big names have made. And he's thinking, I think he's saying is, listen, when he says put respect on my name, what I think he means is people need to catch up to how good I am or how great I am. That's what he meant. He didn't mean like you're not giving me respect. People who know, know. But by and large, he's not as big probably as he should be because for whatever reason, charisma, whatever. So we saw a much more verbose, a much more in your face, a more brash Usman after that fight. And I think it was for different reasons. I think it was that he's realizing the greatness that he's assembling fight by fight, how he's they're lining him up and he's beating them. But I think also fighting Gilbert Burns, a former teammate who at, at American top team and, and sort of the, the pride there, you know, somebody that he liked, but at the same time, a competitive rivalry. And I think he felt it, he, he tapped into something extra for that fight because it was, you know, almost like pride at stake. I mean, coming from a gym where he trained, and now he's got now he moved somewhere else to train. But it was just like that. I know how that feels because I've had it where I changed teams, right? I changed teams. I've had three different instructors, and when I went up against my former team, even though I have respect, there was something extra in me. I was like, I cannot lose. I cannot. Like I cannot let myself. When my son showed up. It was extra. I was like I can't lose in front of my son. If it was an, if it, if it was someone I used to know or used to train with, it was even more like I cannot lose them. I cannot let them have bragging rights. I cannot let somebody in Las Vegas have bragging rights over me. So, I know how that feels. That's something I wanted to talk about with Usman that I saw about him pushing those different buttons, showing some more <coughs> ego, showing some more fire, being more brash, tapping in a little more of that negative energy, using it as fuel. I saw that in him after the fight. Put some, he was yelling, put some respect on my name. I know how he feels. And I wanted to talk about the psychology of that and, 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 and how that can run through us as you're climbing big mountains. That, that sort of thing is natural to come through you. So your thoughts. 
No, that's um, yeah. I, I I like that you're drawing out this uh, this matter because, well, a couple of things. I I heard him say on a uh, on a podcast or an interview that he wants to be a marriage therapist whenever he's done fighting, which is uh, I mean that's that's you know you, you don't hear that from a you don't hear that from a professional um, uh, yep. a professional fighter, but where you're headed with this is. I want to say it's standing his ground. You know, there's a balance to, to you know, always bending and um, letting your ego bend. But there's a point there where you tap into standing your ground. You know, um, it's like the gun laws in this country. You have some that says, oh, you have a retreat doctrine. Well, you know, I'm from Texas and we have a castle doctrine, which is your home is your castle. You stand your ground. This is yours to defend. You know, you don't have to go and hide in some panic room. Um, and and I think that what what's coming across here is Usman is uh, saying, I am a champion. I've earned this. And that's not something you can take away from me. In fact, since I am a champion, I am due that respect of being a champion. Because a champion, just like, you know, it, it, I can also say like um, – I don't, and I don't want to get political here, but the office of the president, the office of, you know, these highly esteemed offices, um, they bring with them um, a, a gravitas. You know, you, the gravitas is, you, is, is a way of, of looking at something and it's a, what is appropriate, you know, cultural appropriate or politically appropriate. It's context specific to it. And I think what Usman is saying is, I am a champion. And so I have, a, I am in a context here. And look at my, like what you're saying, look at my resume. This is where I'm at. This is what I've done. Um, and, and at some point, it's much, it's easier to get the belt than it is, as everyone says, it's harder to defend the belt. And he's, yeah. and, and how many title defenses has he had so far? Uh, I think I don't mean to put you on the spot. But, it's but been it's just, it's more it's yeah. almost a handful. It's half a dozen he's fight, almost. He's fighting he's fighting in a tougher era than GSP did. He is that the the Walter weights now are better than they were. Um, and if you look at GSP at the same time, and I have tremendous respect for GSP. GSP is undisputedly one of the greatest uh, fighters of all time, but. Man, I'm telling you what, Usman is nipping at the buds. And at the same point in GSP's career, he was much more famous. He was much more of a household name in terms of, you know, among MMA fans. They People put a lot more respect. People were more in awe of GSP. And I think what Usman's saying is, bro, I'm right there. Where can you guys catch up? Can you catch up to the respect that I deserve? And so, I think, yeah. Go ahead. I'm so, sorry to interrupt. I do want to say something. And he's a guy, Usman's a guy that, you know, we talk about the distinction between a martial artist and a fighter, right? We talk about martial artists and GSP is, of course, a martial artist and a fighter. Fighters don't always have, there's people that are phenomenal fighters, phenomenal uh, fighting spirit, but they don't necessarily have the code, right? The code is not the same as, or the awareness is not the same. And Usman is a martial artist, like you're saying, when it wants to be a Merrill's therapist. Like, this guy is a very cerebral, strategic, thoughtful, he's got a certain code. 
But what was fascinating is he gave us a window into his psyche in the post-fight interviews. He's giving you a window. His words are a window into his psyche. And you could see him wrestling with even the ego, wrestling with the, he's a nice guy, but at the same time, he wants, this is my cage. This is, this is my, this is my space. This is my, I am the king of this. I mean, he was laying it down. He was a dog peeing on the tree. And so getting to look at that for somebody like me, who's been around the fight sports a long time, who's a philosophy major in college, who, who do, who's into the mind, what I call mind jitsu. Uh, it was, it was beautiful. And, and it was fascinating to see because I could see him. He's getting better, right? He is getting better fight after fight after fight. Usman gets better. And yet the public perception isn't necessarily catching up. This guy should be a bigger deal he should be a bigger name and that's what i saw and he was saying look if the nice guy thing won't work maybe i need to get in front of the microphone like some of these other big mouths right colby whatever connor maybe i need to be a little more of a big mouth and remind you guys who i am what i'm about what i've done you know usman and i love connor usman's resume is better than connor i mean it really is i mean you can say well connor was a double double division champion but usman i mean He's 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 just been winning, 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 and he and he fights different every fight. I mean, he is the better fighter right now, and 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 hopefully he was just reminding him like if you don't know and you don't want to give me my due, I'll get in front of this microphone. I'm going to tell you I'll be brash, and you can send whoever you want next. I'm that guy, and so I saw some of that ego in him kind of that big ego thing watch it you're going to see some big ego that's a champion's heart though he, he stepped out of that humble quiet shell that it really is him but he stepped <clears> outside <throat> of it so go watch go watch those interviews i would say it's um contemporaneous you know we we are uh you, you get caught up on the past you know and looking to the past and there is nothing being taken away from GSP's reputation by us adding another seat to the table and go, here's another great, here's another great. And he has his place now and and he's not asking for it. He's taking it. And that's what they do. That's, you know, and I think uh, in in a matter of time, you know, there'll be a, there'll be a contender who rises up and will take, you know, will take the title from, from Usman in time. I don't know who that is. I, I don't follow, you know, well, I don't 30, follow I that. I think he's 32 or 33. Yeah. But the one, the one reason he is so hard to beat a la GSP is that he's very versatile. He does what I love about even GSP in his prime and Usman. They, you know, they just find the button to beat you. They don't worry about always what they'll do. They will adapt to beat you. Um, and, and, and that's, you know, Usman's a very good wrestler. The one thing he does, he hasn't shown us, we're, a, we're, you know, we, you and I discuss a lot of Brazilian jiu-jitsu here. He, he has good positional jiu-jitsu and he has good awareness and good defense and those things, but we haven't seen like, he's not an offensive juggernaut in terms of jiu-jitsu. We haven't seen that consistently. Um, and that's an area of his game where now, again, in my opinion, in my opinion, all due respect to GSP, I don't think GSP was a jiu-jitsu wonder kind in any way. He wasn't. I mean, if you watch the GSP fight with Dan Hardy, where he's got the Kimura, 
GSP should have finished that Kimura if he if he'd had high level at the time. At the time, I'm not saying. I mean, I'm sure GSP rolls and he's he's good in the room, but he's not that he's not that level. There was a lot of room for improvement for him during his reign because Matt Matt Hughes armbarred him right, so he didn't have the he didn't have the defense there when he got armbarred. He had Dan Hardy and you know Kimura had Dan Hardy down on the mat for almost five rounds and had plenty of chances to submit him and and and, and did it. So there were a lot of gaps. If you're looking at high, high level jujitsu, offensive jujitsu, GSP had a lot of that. Positionally, you know, defensive awareness, very solid. But Usman, that's an aspect of his game where he can improve a lot. Same for John Jones. It's an area of his game where he can improve a lot. But again, going back to this, the thing I want, and you know, I did a TEDx talk on this, um, on this topic, Noah, and I just think that. When you're when you're striving for greatness or to be the best you, sometimes you're going to have different voices and different emotions stirring in you. And and Dan Gable used to say, you know, nobody can wrestle. There is no champion who can wrestle without pride. Like you have to be a to be a champion. He meant a champion at a high level. You have to have some pride. And pride is ego. Pride is ego. And the question then is how? What kind of balance or? You know, you don't want to get that ego too big because then you 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 you, you crash and burn and, and and burn into flames. But but figuratively, but what we're seeing is what we saw out of Usman is we saw that pride, we saw that pride come out of him, and 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 that and and that's a lesson for all people because I think a lot of people just think humble, 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 quiet, quiet, quiet. We all love humility, but in this game, and I mean in a lot of life. Sometimes the closed mouth doesn't get fed. This is a uh, yeah. This is this is. Let's take a step back. This is also entertainment, and entertainment you need to have some. A lot of life is entertainment. You need a lot of life. A lot of social media is entertainment. You got to do some self marketing. You got to talk up. You know, yeah. uh, Flip this over to uh, your own life. You know, outside of uh, outside of sports. You've got to talk up your merits. You have to uh, communicate that because no one else is going to do advocacy for yourself. Um, you know, I uh, stumbled across a, a, a mental technique that is pretty obvious, but there's, you know, in psychology, they have a, a name for it. It's called distance self-talk. And uh, that is basically stop talking to yourself in the first person and start talking to yourself in the third person. You know, like Noah's going to compete at blue belt, at purple belt, and brown belt, and at black belt. And Noah's going to get a medal at every level of his belts along his journey. You know, you start talking to yourself. Is that ego or is that just um, goal setting in a way? Is that reaffirming what your purpose is? You know, that, and I think that it, when you, when you uh, transition out of just – you know, thinking of ego, 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 and, and, and discussion of that. Let's put it at like, it's also, you're building yourself up for it. You're building yeah. your own internal expectation up. You have to stoke the fire of, of your competitive spirit. Stoking that fire means adding fuel to it. Adding fuel to it, what do you do? You have to uh, set goals for yourself. They can be outside of your comfort zone. Frank, if I ask you to raise your raise your hand, all right, what are you going to do? You, 
at first, naturally, you're going to raise it here because it's a this is comfortable. All right. Now, raise your hand and you raise it and you are raising it past your comfort zone. All right. You ha- it, we naturally, you know, in the beginning, we, we, we want to stay in our comfort zone. But when we realize, hey, in order for us to get out of that, we're going to have to push ourselves beyond and challenge ourselves from where we are. So part of what he's doing in that psychology, and I think it's a very good technique for oneself, is to is to verbalize some stuff. What's up? I got my, my, my son's here for a second. What's up, man? Okay. I seen a little bit. Hey, I got I got my uh, my my boys here for one second. Hold on one second now. All right, all right. I don't know why that's doing that. What's up? I've seen a little bit. All right, is that good? Like three three fifteen? No, three thirty. Okay. You said three thirty. Okay, we're on a podcast. All right, I'll see you in a little bit, buddy. All right, bye guys. You can get see I'm getting some sun, right? Sorry about that. It's my my boy. We're gonna we're meeting up after this after this podcast, but all right. I well, call him, if- but no, no. Along the lines of what you're saying, <clears throat> that this is the thing with ego. When people hear, you know, if I was to say to you, "Oh, you've got a big ego," or that's your ego talking, automatically, our alarm system goes off, and we're like, "Wow, Noah's attacking me." If Noah was to say, "You're being egotistical. You have a big ego." We automatically go into defense mode and we assume that, wow, that's a negative thing. You're saying something mean about me. The way that I look at ego is I look at ego with a couple of questions. Okay, is is the mind technique that I'm using, whether it be third person, like what you're saying, right? Whether it be that, is it effective? Is it consistent with my principles? Do, will it move me closer to my goals, right? So those are the things. Is it effective? Forget, let's not judge it. Before we judge it, let's say, is would is if I try the technique, is it effective? Is it in accordance with my principles? And and is it does it move me closer to my goals? And if it does, if I have to talk to myself in the third person or tell myself I'm the best or I'm the greatest, but it but it but it's effective and it's according to my principles and it moves me closer to my goals, then for as long as that's lasting, I'm gonna do it. I don't care if my neighbor says wow, you're not allowed to talk in a third person. That's just arrogant. That's just egotistical. Because maybe they don't have the same goals. Maybe they don't have the same principles. Maybe they're sitting on a couch in an air-conditioned, climate-controlled room, and they're not striving for anything. So maybe they don't need it, right? But if you're someone like Usman who's trying to go to higher places in a very competitive realm, now, now, Noah, this is the thing, and I, I just did something yesterday. I, you know, I do, I do a lot of writings, and I was writing about the balance between co-op, competitiveness and cooperativeness because I think I've went off the tracks before where I've been so hyper and ultra-competitive at the expense of being cooperative, at the expense of building other people up and investing in other people and sharing. You know? So it's like selfishness versus unselfishness, and, and I've really focused a lot more on unselfishness. Right When you're a, when you're a coach – you need to be more interested. It's more unselfish, more interested in the success of your athletes and you're mm-hmm. a giver. And when you're a lot of times when you're a champion, it's very selfish in a lot of ways. You know, your schedule is very selfish. It's yeah. more about you a lot of times, not all the time, but in a lot of ways, it's all more about you. Um, if you're married to Tom Brady, well, Tom Brady's schedule is Tom Brady's schedule and kind of everybody else has to kind of adapt to that schedule. I mean, it just, if you're married to the goat, right? So, so, it's, it's taking a look at that and saying, well, 
there's it's like a, it's like a it's like a surfboard where there's constantly the balance point is always changing right it's never the same every wave is different the wind is different you know you're different um the conditions are different so it's it's constantly playing around with and finding new ways to motivate ourselves and bring out the best in ourselves and say, Noah, is there more inside you that you can bring forth for life, for, for professional success, for financial success, for, for relationship success, for uh, be a better friend? What, what more, what more mental buttons or mental techniques? And if somebody doesn't want to embrace some of these parts of the ego because they're, oh, you got a big ego, you're arrogant then they're never going to get there. I, that, that's, that's what my TEDx speech is about. Like to get there, sometimes the ends have to justify the means. I am not, people think I'm trying to justify being a jerk. Nothing could be further from the truth. If, if I end up being a jerk because of my ego stuff, then I did something wrong. But along the way, I might be, I might be a little bit of a jerk while I'm trying to figure it out, right? It's kind of like when you're first trying a new jujitsu technique, you mess it up, right? Because you're still trying to figure it out. So sometimes, even like Connor, sometimes you can go overboard, you can cross the lines, and then you, and then you, and you get the feedback like, wait, okay, I went overboard with that one. Let me pull back. But then if you pull back too much and you're too humble, then you might not be as effective, right? So it's trying to find that that point. And dif different fights bring different things out of you. Usman fighting Gilbert Burns brought out a side of him like, this is the guy, my former teammate, who I – bled with and trained with that you send to beat me it was a little more personal for him you could see that and and he fought like it and he talked like it afterwards even though he loved burns and there was great sportsmanship there and burns was crying you know crying with him and, and it was a great tender moment if you see that but anyway i th th when i see stuff like this it reminds me of when you have a mental toolbox you you if you're only pulling from humility you might be limited if you're only always pulling from humility, which I love and sounds great in theory, then you probably are going to limit yourself. you got to play around with other toolboxes in there. And by the way, and I said this in the TEDx speech and now people are, you know, have their own version of it. But I think I said it first before anybody in our ecosystem said it. And what I said is I said in the TEDx talk, people have misdefined what humility is. Humility is not, you know, being, you know, uh, you know, pretending that you're humble and feigning it, or if you're if you're a weak person and you're scared of everything and you're insecure, that's not humility. True humility can only be worn by someone who knows their power, someone who is confident, someone who chooses to be humble, someone who chooses to serve others. There is no such thing. If someone is very weak, very insecure, very afraid, that is not humility. That is insecurity. It's a big difference, and we've been misidentifying and. Uh, you know what humility is only like someone like a Nelson Mandela or a great fighter or whatever, somebody who knows their power, someone who's truly confident, the only people that can truly be humble. Anybody else? It's just you, you have to, someone has to have power to test their humility. If they don't know their power or fear powerful or have power, you can't test their humility. You can't. It's a big difference. So that was something that I talked about in the TEDx talk too. Anyway, Usman, pushed those buttons and i was like damn he fits the tedx talk that i that i gave and and uh watch those post-fight interviews it was fascinating to see it's good to build that inner fire up you know in yoga practice you can build that inner fire with uh with the kind of pranayama you know the the one where you you're breathing in and out quickly you know that 
and using your abs, that builds fire within that, that fire that you need. Um, uh, and some people will use anger to uh, build that fire. And th- there could be, you know, there could be an argument that um, Usman had anger in him to do that. Um, not there's different. And I, and I haven't thought about this before uh, deeply, but you know, there are different kinds of anger. Okay. There are different kinds of anger and it, and it manifests itself in different ways. Okay. Um, but first and foremost, like, like, well, let's call it like the quotidian uh, anger that you see that people uh, get mad with each other. And um, what they will do is they will externalize their anger. Like they'll lash out at someone. Okay. And I think that I, I read that the Dalai Lama or even the Buddha said something about when you, when you're feeling anger, it's as though you were wounded. And if you're wounded, you should be taking care of your own wound. Yep, no question. You, you should not, you know, if you're wounded, you don't seek to go and inflict wounds on others. If you're wounded, you need to get seek first aid. So if you're feeling anger and there's a and this is a kind of anger I'm talking about, you know, where if you're getting into an argument at work or at home um, or at at the academy, um, you first need to deal with give yourself first aid. And so um, because if you go and you try to lash that out, that's just you're just giving yourself poison. You're poisoning yourself. Um, and, you know, I think probably he felt some anger there or, you know, his coaches had uh, used that, used that situation to build yeah. in that, to build that fire. Tapped into his pride, tapped, tapped big time into his pride. You know, one thing that I think is, is, you know, I used to work for Ultimate Fighting Championship. One thing that I think is amazing and more and other sports don't do this as much wrestling does it to some extent college wrestling but what's beautiful is right after the fight is over while the fighters are still got sweat pouring from them and their heart rate is still up they put a microphone on and i I used to do that i used to do post-fight interviews for ufc behind the scenes and the quicker you get that fighter after the fight the better the quotes because they're in a more primal state and they just they don't have the filter and so you know, that's a lot of sports, you know, they have from the time the event is over, tennis, even football, from the time the event is over to the time a microphone's in the athlete's face could be 45 minutes, an hour. So they've had a chance to come down. They're not in the primal state. They dress, they change, and the, and the, and the, 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 the words in their mind can, be, can come out differently, Dif- different, you know, once you're taking a shower and everything. But it's different in UFC, and so it's a great place to study human psychology and psyche in a very extreme environment. Now, I am not – I want people to understand because as much as I talk about this, I am a big fan actually of humility. I don't want to downplay humility. I think humility is an amazing – I think it's a superpower, and I think very few people actually do that at a high level. I think that humility is very worthwhile, and – I think, you know, I don't, I imagine that Usman doesn't go home, whatever, to his wife and kids. And he's not like, everybody do what I say. I imagine he's not doing that. Right. So I'm, so we're talking about sort of compartmentalizing this toward whatever big 
mountain you're trying to climb. I mean, it's it's got to be compartmentalized. It's got to be controlled. It's got to be, like you said, appropriate. It's got to be considerate of other people. I mean, when Usman, if I'm at Whole Foods right now. Right. Usman's walking around Whole Foods. I don't think he should feel like he's any. He's walking the aisles. I don't think I shouldn't be walking the aisles thinking I'm greater than everyone else in here. I mean, that's that's absurd, right? It's weird. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. That's actually weird. Like, I'm walking around in my everyday life. Like, uh-huh. I'm better than all of you. I'm greater than all of you. You're all slackers. Well, I think that's unattractive. I think that's counterproductive. I think that's dangerous. I think that that. That, that that's bad karma and that it's karma arrogant for sure yeah so i'm not i'm not um i'm not advocating that as like hey just in everyday life just walk around with your chest out and and say you're the greatest and i'm greater than everyone i i think it's gr- like you said it's gross and i'm not supposed i mean so it has to be it has to very much be aimed at something and maybe it's sort of you know, in the, in the pursuit of something. And usually this is one thing. So you let's think of Fedor Emelianco or Demetrius Johnson, or even Marcelo Garcia. So Marcelo Garcia is, 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 you know, a giant in our, in Jiu-Jitsu, um, Fedor Emelianco. I've always said, I mean, if you, if you stand next to Marcelo Garcia, you're like, wow, the most humble human on the face of the earth. Fedor Emelianco is, an, is as stoical and as emotionless. He's famous not just for his fighting, but for that stoic, like, unfazed, whatever. Just amazing, no reaction, right? But Marcelo Garcia, if you come close to scoring a point on him, watch his personality then. Then that lion in him comes out in the right environment. Emelianco, when the when 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 the ref says go, you know, once the battle cry is sounded, watch how he fights. Mm-hmm. There's something in that guy that's like it's like you took something from him. It's like it's 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 exceptional, right? And that is even though the words might not come out. It's like don't don't believe what I say all the time. Watch what I do. It's not always what I say. It's what I do. And when you watch how some of these guys fight, Marcelo. Fedor Emelianco and many others, you're like, wow, there's a lot of pride in there. There's a lot. That's why Emmanuel Stewart, the boxing, the famous boxing trainer, worked with 40 plus world champions. I said, Emmanuel, what's the one thing all the great fighters you work with had in common? And he paused and he said, a big ego. They all had a big ego. Meaning, it doesn't mean that they walk with their chest out. It doesn't mean that they walk around saying I'm the greatest. It doesn't mean that they get in front of the microphone and always say it. But if you try to be number one above them and beat them, then you'll see the fire. You'll see the lion. You'll see the ego. You'll see the pride. And that's what I'm talking about. But I think it has to be controlled. And I don't think that we should walk around our everyday life or be around our wife or our kids or our friends and and be so full of ourselves, I am not advocating that. So it's tricky. It's kind of a tight No, no. I, you know, it's not that tricky, actually, Frank. Yeah. It, I, I will argue this. What you're saying, what it sounds like, is it, it has to be – it needs to be harnessed and directed. Yeah. It needs to be focused. If you're going to – your ego has to be focused. What you're talking about, it's focused. And that's the difference. Yeah. You know, if not these guys that, you know, they're just um, – they're just going in every direction with that. Yeah. That's way that is. I mean, in fact, that means that they have a low value. 
they're yeah. you know they have a low value of themselves if they're doing that. But if it's yeah, focused, a lot, ego, a lot of big ego, most big ego is actually just insecurity. It's it's it would be me trying to talk myself into it, trying to make myself believe it. Right? If I don't yeah. really believe it, then you try. I I I met I. I it I makes a lot of sense here. It, this yeah. is very powerful because. Uh, now what we're talking about here is is how do you harness and direct it and get it focused on some you know I and I gotta say that from as a blue belt I don't have that you know if someone uh, passes my guard I don't have that ego of like uh, of like oh, I can't let them pass my guard yeah. but if you were to tell me look I want you to own this this is yours and and I want you to become I want you to make I want you to identify with this. So, you know, like, if, you know, like if someone were to try to get out of my head and arm choke, like I already have in my mind, that's like my thing. That's my yeah. thing. I'm going to look at you. Look at you trying to get, look at you trying to get naked. Look at you trying to get naked out there at Whole melanin. Foods. What's up? I'm on that melanin, that melanin mission. What's up? So, you know, if like I've already put a lot of work into my head and arm choke. So if someone were to try to do defenses on my head and arm choke, and I and and I know that I know what those defenses are, um, I'm going to be like, why did why didn't I get that? Or if I got it, I'm gonna, I got that because these 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 things went went, went were were done if you, if right. If you had no pride, if you had no pride in your head and arm choke, you probably wouldn't have a good head and arm choke. There has to be some pride, like you said. So when I when I first started yeah. training, I trained I trained with Pedro Sauer. Pedro Sauer under Elio Gracie and Hickson Gracie and Pedro Sauer had a really good guard, man. It was, it was like, you know, I didn't know anybody in the class or whatever that had ever passed his guard. He had a really, his guard and he prided himself on that. And the old days of jujitsu, probably more than now, probably more than now, it was a bigger deal of like, don't let guys pass your guard. And I would say this, Noah, in, in jujitsu, if you're a smaller fighter, right, like you're Mikey Musumeci size, Calterra, and you're doing absolute divisions, right? Very few do, very few small guys do the black belt absolute. We see guys, small guys do the blue belt absolute or the purple belt or maybe even the masters. But all ages, you very rarely see a really small guy, like really small, 100, you know, a, a Pluma or a Pena do, uh, do the black belt. Uh, but if you are going to do that in general, I would say that one of the best weapons for you would be don't let guys pass your guard. Because a lot of your trouble when you're undersized starts when the bigger guy, somebody who outweighs you by 60, 70, 80, 100, your trouble really starts and really multiplies when they pass your guard. If they don't pass your guard, you can be in the fight, in the jiu-jitsu match at any, at any, abs at any weight. A buddy of mine, Rene Lopez, who's probably one of the top 15 in the world, is a training partner, Mikey Musumeci. Rene Lopez and I have been training partners for a long time, over a decade. And Rene, his guard is very hard to pass, bro. He gives the big guys, I've seen world champions come in there, have fits. Guys that outweigh him by 40, 50 pounds have fits because they can't pass his guard. Mm. So that's a big thing. You know, you talk about there's not always a lot of glory in guard retention, right? But 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 it can save it can save you a lot of trouble when then having to push that guy who outweighs you by 80, 90, 100 pounds of that girl. It can save you a lot of energy, a lot of misery. Um, and that's why I say 
people don't enjoy doing the hip escape, but why you should be doing hip escape, hip escape, hip escape, hip escape, hip escape. Pay attention. Do your hip escapes with intention because the one of the it's so fundamental to your guard retention. If you got a crappy hip escape, you probably are crappy with your guard defense and your guard retention. There's a link there. They're connected. So um, that's that's one of those things where um, guard retention is a big, big deal, man. And, and 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 like you just said, sometimes you just you have to have an instructor or yourself just remind you, take some pride in it. Like, wait, because otherwise, if you don't have the pride in it, you don't go home. You don't study what you did. You don't drive home and think about when I used to lose in practice and, you know, and I've lost many times in practice. It, the drive home, man, I was thinking about it on the drive home. I didn't just let it go because I cared. And I was like, what happened? You know, analyzing it, rewinding it in my brain before they had YouTube to rewind everything. I was just my brain like, well, what happened there? What did I do? You know, so anyway, yeah, this is uh, the right the right amount of pride, right? Not too, not too excessive. It can't be pride at the expense of everybody else because I believe everybody's beautiful. Everybody's talented in their own ways. We all have different gifts. And if you're, if we're dehumanizing others to uplift ourselves, like you said, that's just, it's ugly, it's gross. And also it's usually insecurity. It's well, we need insecurity. all, you know, we need all of us on this planet uh, uh, growing and developing and uh, other other than like in com- you know informal competition where there is a ranking you know that that thing of you comparing yourself to someone else um is self-defeating because they don't everyone has their own challenges to deal with um you know uh, i i was at the dog park earlier today and talking to someone and they're going through life you know, situations that are, um, that make my, you know, the things that I'm challenged by in my life pale in comparison. Like the, that person, the, what they described to me is, um, and I don't want to get, you know, obviously I'm not going to, you know, give detail, but, um, it, it just, it, that humbled me in like, you know, cause I get out there for my, you know, like what you're doing, I get out there for my 30 minutes in the sun um, to, uh, to let the, to let this, uh, sheepdog run around. And, um, um, that was, I was like, wow. Yeah. Uh, I'm thankful for my problems in a way, you know, I'm thankful. So outside of formal competition of ranking stuff, if you're trying to compare yourself to others and, and play that envy game, uh, you know, envy and jealousy, uh, people use the word jealousy when they should be say envy. Okay. And jealousy is unhealthy. You know, jealousy is about like romantic envy. Like Frank, I really envy your guard passing skills, you know, and, and that's actually much less, you know, that's less, uh, as carries less negative baggage, negative connotation with it, you know, because what does that do to you? That raises you. And it also gives you opportunity to share with me like, Oh yeah, well, no, it, let me tell you, where you place your hands, you know, in, in defending or, um, in, in keeping it, or like you say, with the shrimping, um, to, re- to retain it, those kinds of things, you're, then you're lifting, I lifted you and I amplified you and you turn it back onto me and then it helped me. And the net net is we both 
you know, you get some external validation that you're doing the right yeah. thing. Yeah, we, we can't we can't be out to tear others down to build ourselves. Like if I'm tearing a bunch of other people down to build myself up, that's insecurity. That's anger. That's really negative energy. You made me think of the quote earlier, and I, I said it to a buddy earlier today, so it's serendipitous that I'm saying it again, but comparison is the thief of joy. It took me a long time to learn that one. The comparison is the thief of joy. We always walk around comparing ourselves, and he's got you know, this person has this car, and now I want a better car. I mean, it's just nonsense, right? And the, the thing is, Noah, you know that I'm a spiritual guy, and the one, my favorite scripture verse, right, and people don't, you know, whether someone's into religion or they're not, Corinthians 13 is worth the read. It's only 13 verses in the Bible. And whether you're religious or not, most of us would agree that love is, like I say, love is the aim, love is the mark. If it's not love, right, if, it, if we're doing things and love is not the center of that, then we're missing the mark. I don't care who it is, a Christian person, a religious person, a non-religious person, you know, things that are come that come from love. And so I have to really, I have to remind myself, I have to love people more than I love even winning, more than I love me being a high performer. I have to remind myself that, like for me, in my priorities, like, hey, it's more important to be, to embody love than it is even to win as much as I want to win. Because sometimes when you take winning to the extreme, it's it's usually trying to, you know, trying to think we're better than people and not just not just better, like you're saying, at a sport or business or, or skill, but we think we're better as a human. There are people that are pro athletes who, because they make a lot of money and they, they have a great skill on an athletic field, they think they're better humans than other people. They walk around and think, you know, and, and, and a lot of people think like that. And I've thought like that at different times in my life. And that's just nonsense to think that I'm superior to you because you, you show me 10 things that I'm far better at than you. And you could show me 10 things that you're far better at than me, right? That's just, we're just, we're just being arbitrary. I'm picking my 10 things and like, oh, I'm better than you. But what if we picked your 10 things, right? What if society valued your 10 things? And they're like, does that make you better? I mean, so it just, it's, it gets a little bit ridiculous. And, and that's something that we always have to remember, I think, is like, if you value love, and I think that love is the greatest, love is the ultimate thing. And it's the ultimate inspirer. And I have to remind myself not just to love things. Don't just love winning. Don't just love medals. Don't just love achievement. But love is a verb. Like, get out there, love people, help people, serve people. Don't feel superior to them, even if you are a world champion or you're whatever. But when it comes to protecting your turf, you're in the heat of battle, you're in the ecosystem, or you're competing, well, then the voices that come, man, they're... they're going to be it's going it's going to you know a lot of interesting voices cross our minds and sometimes sometimes for a season of our lives we have to have that inner i call it the inner ali the inner muhammad ali sometimes when you're climbing a big mountain you you're going to need that mental tool in your toolbox to be like all right i need the ali button i need the vociferous voice i need i need that i need some of that like you're saying third person talk there might be situations in life where you need that and don't be afraid to reach for it if it takes you closer to your goal, if it's effective, if it's according to your principles. But at the same time, don't become a jerk. Don't be little people. Don't walk around planet Earth like looking down on people and thinking you're, you know, because then, so that's 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 that surfboard. That's that balance that we're talking yep, about. Yeah, you got to balance that out. You know, um, and another way to put this, okay, imagine um, there's multiple ways you want to talk about that distant self-talk. 
there's a, there's ways you can make perspective on that. And, um, you know, this is coming from a book I, that I recently read called Chatter by Ethan Cross. And the cross is spelled with a K. And another way you can do that distant self-talk is not just change the person of like from first person, me, myself, and I, to third person, you know, of, of referring to yourself by name. Outside of that, there's another way you can do that. And that's, and I think of like, I think of like the saying of, of, you know, when you're 80 years old, you kind of, you, you regress back to babyhood and infancy, you know, because you're so dependent upon others at that point. You, you, beca- you know, you increasingly become dependent upon others. And um, so your ego, you know, and, and if your mental faculty is still there, um, you realize how much uh, the le- lessons in life and, and how you behave when you're younger. You know, when you were in your teens and your 20s, you were just foolish and reckless. Your 30s and 40s, you try to be mature, but you you thought you thought heavily about what everyone else thought about you. In your 50s and 60s, whenever you're going through so much midlife crisis, you got past it, you've survived a lot of storms, and you're like, okay, now I'm settling in for the ride. You know, and they say that your greatest years of happiness are in your 50s and 60s. It's like that's peak happiness in life no is is no around 55 to 65 range. Yep. And that's when you and, and what happens, you become happier or I should say contented and self uh, self-aware. You become more self-aware as you get older. And so another way of doing this, of, of how you keep your of keeping that balance is ask yourself, how will I, with 20 years on, 30 years on, how will my 80-year-old self look at this? You know? And by not just changing the perspective of person, but of time and seeing how you see yourself, um, that has a lot of power in guiding your, in, in guiding and uh, what I would say, values alignment. You know, um, yeah, the, re- the reason, Noah, that I think that more people should kind of talk themselves up sometimes is because, first of all, a lot of people have a negative self-opinion of themselves. They have a negative self-image. So that's a problem. We have to counteract that. And then number two, I think one of the one of the biggest problems that people have is that they just aim too low. They, they have low standards or low expectations. So they think, well, doing really cool or really good stuff is meant for somebody else. I'm not, I'm just an average yeah. person. Uh-huh. Just aim, they, they're guilty of aiming too low. And so That's very true. one way to counteract that is you kind of have to talk yourself up. And at first when you do it, it'll feel gross. It'll feel awkward. It'll feel uncomfortable. But that's what you see. Like when you saw Usman talking and you see some of these champions or high performers, if you can really get in their brain, they're good at talking themselves up. They're coaches. Dominic Cruz, I remember when he was in his heyday, you know, his inner inner uh, monologue or dialogue, and, and, and he had a guy named Marvin Eastman who would talk him up before fights. Like, he, he needed to hear that, right? He needed to hear that. There's a reason that they were talking all that smack and talking themselves up. He fed off it. He needed to hear that. I'm not saying that works for everybody, but if you feel like you're underperforming, and you feel like you're settling and you feel like you're aiming too low, yeah. then it's time It's time to inject a new voice or at least add a new voice to the equation. 
could be that third person voice you're talking about. It could be some of the stuff you're talking about from chatter. It could be the mind jitsu stuff that I talk about. But it's adding to the toolbox and saying, well, maybe I need that. And then when you when you embrace that, if you embrace some of that self-talk that seems like, oh, my God, that's egotistical, then how do you do that in a way that, you know, you don't lose your friends, you don't lose your marriage, you don't lose your job? How do you do that in a way that you can you, you have a higher sense of yourself, you have higher expectations, you're aiming bigger, you're talking bigger, but at the same time, you're still a gentleman or a gentlewoman. You're still a quality person. You still care about other people. You're learning humility. You're serving others. It's you can you can be both is what is what I'm trying to tell people with the TEDx talk. You can absolutely be both, but along the way, you might cross a line. Sometimes you might be in a conversation with someone where you're a little full of yourself, and then you pay attention. Oh God, I'm wrong there. I was acting superior. I was acting a little arrogant. Apologize, and now pull back accordingly. Right? You got to. You got to play with that tool a little bit because when we first try it on, we might not wear it well. We might not wear it well. Most people are afraid to try it on at all, ever. And I'm saying try it on. You might cross the line a little bit here and there, but then you'll learn to wear it well. You know, you'll learn like, okay, I can dial back on that. Well, that's, yeah, man, that's I, that's a great point. Of, and that's a practice. You know, that is a practice what you're doing. You you. You got to get on the mat and practice and work some stuff out. And and when you step off that mat, you're still practicing some other things. And um, it's okay to practice this. Um, you know, the, the distant self-talk, I suggest you do it alone, you know, because otherwise people, it's so shocking to people. But it's a great yeah. – what we're doing here is we're laying out some of the tools that um, – that you and I, uh, when we're on the mats and we're talking about things, um, these are some of the tools that we can pull from to up level. Um, these are skills, uh, tools, techniques, if, if people, and practices if aren't wrestling, and if habits. Are not, if people are not mentally wrestling with these things right now, they're either aiming too low or they're, you know, they're afraid they're afraid of it, you know, for whatever reason. Oh, I'm not going to be humble, and 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 it. These things can can be very valuable to help you climb higher and achieve. Um, and and again, it's just finding that that balance point. Well, we all need uh, our Marvin Eastman. Any anybody who's going to spend twenty or thirty years in an ecosystem and really truly strive to be the best they can be, mm-hmm. you're going to have moments. Maybe other people don't see it because some people are so introverted that people don't, you know, Noah, have you ever, and, and we'll, we'll talk about suicide for a second because there's a lot, and here in Clark County, one of the biggest school districts in the, in the country, we have more suicides in high schools than we have COVID deaths. I mean, we have, they have way more suicide deaths than COVID deaths from, from teenagers. And, have you ever had a suicide where when when you get word that the person I've known many suicides here in Las Vegas. Have you ever had it where and I've, I've known multiple where the person commits suicide and everyone's like nothing seemed you talk to the people close to them. We couldn't tell. We couldn't see it. Right. How many times have you known someone to commit suicide? You're like, well, I didn't think they were that bad off. I didn't think they'd do something like that. They didn't tell anyone they were thinking about suicide. Right. That happens a lot. I right? will. 
I, you know, I wasn't close to Anthony Bourdain, but having trained with him and known known him at, at Henzo's, um, you know, that was like an that was an icy dagger that went into me. Um, and and when and when those happen, a lot of times we're all left like, well, wait, there wasn't the obvious cry for help. We think there wasn't the they didn't tell anybody close to them they were thinking about it. A lot of people miss the signs of mm-hmm. them being suicidal happens a lot. Right. And so if we can miss the signs that someone's suicidal, we can also miss the signs that they have a pretty damn big ego, that they're ultra competitive, like a Marcelo Garcia or yeah. or we can't just go by what someone says. There are people like me or Connor or Ali or even Usman who are very verbal with it. And there are others who are more introverted they're not external. They're not obvious about it, but they've got that chip or they've got that pride. But you won't, it might not come out of their words. Some people filter it. Some mm-hmm. people don't filter it. It's just not their way of expressing it. Sometimes you just have to watch them. Someone like Miguel Cotto, you just have to watch him fight and you're like, wow, there's great pride. There's a great motor. There's a great inner voice, but he might not come out in front of a microphone. So my point is, people think that because somebody, you know, their neighbor, or whatever, because their neighbor, doesn't articulate it or say it or whatever, they think that that means that they don't have this bigger, bigger, bigger pride or bigger sense of themselves. They, they, they can absolutely have it. Introverts can have it. People who, who don't say it can absolutely have it the same, you know? So we can't, we, we shouldn't just penalize the people that can talk it and then not, and then, you know, we should just be more, I think people should be more understanding when I see some of the, the big mouth people talking them up. I'm like, ah, I can see this person. He's got a lot of insecurities, but he's trying to get up that mountain. And right now he's playing around with a new voice. Ah, I get it. And then hopefully he, he or she will learn to wear it well. I mean, we've seen fighters and other people in life crash and burn because they became too full of themselves. They only cared about themselves. And if that's the case, then I can tell you how that story ends. You know, you show me an athlete or anybody, any of us, who stop caring about other people, who act like we're superior to everybody else, um, who's all me, 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 me all the time, well, you're on the clock. You're, you're going to crash and burn. I mean, we, we know how that story ends 100 out of 100 times. So I'm not, and you are not, neither you nor I are advocating that. I hope nobody confuses that. Yeah, no. As we come down the uh, final stretch here, um, that, you know, that segues into a point that I want to make here, Frank. Um, there's... You know, that with this concepts of, of um, ego, you know, the, there are two parts to this. Okay. There are two parts to this and they are codependent. One is where you take, where you are taking space and the other person who is holding space for that person. Okay. And they're both codependent. They're both dependent. You need to have, you need to have a, uh, you need to allow, uh, you need to take space, you know, and that whenever you are, you know, in this sense, what we're referring to, but there also has to be a, a partner, um, a friend, a training partner. Oh, it looks like I lost him. Um, there has, I'm just going to continue my thought. There has to be that other person. And literally right now I'm holding the space. Let me add him back. Frank, sorry, sorry. literally, that literally, sun, just that sun I, is blinding me. So, 
no, I, as I'm saying, as I'm saying, what I'm talking about, you know, where you allow the person to take the space, you literally mandatory reading, mandatory reading. All right. And literally the other person who is holding the space. And what that means is they must provide. Um, I don't know if I want to call it safe space, but it is a space. It's where you can speak and where you can let out your thoughts and 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 be there and try things out and let you make your mistakes. That's holding space for another yep. person. So yep. like I hold this space for you to to uh, express yourself and yep. to let your ego speak, to let your thoughts uh, run amok, to let you practice. And you, in turn, um, also hold space for me, for me to get my thoughts out and to communicate and um, embellish on embellish on what's your thought but hey let's wrap this up because uh you look like you're getting no, well, that, crispy that, 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 really quick that's what your friends do your friends your good friends there are times where we're all out of place we're not our best selves we're selfish we're whatever and your good friends with that space your good friends help you work through it they stick around mm-hmm. to help you work through it they understand you they understand you're going through something maybe you lost your cool your good friends will understand rather than be like, you're an asshole, you're a jerk. And then for eternity, you're an asshole or a jerk to them. That's, you know, that's what it means. It means we have to understand that every once in a while, somebody who's playing around with a new mental tool might not wear it that well. Yeah. And they need to practice. You're around them. Maybe you, maybe you work with them. Maybe you help them. Maybe you give them feedback, you know? And, uh, but when you really care about someone, you don't just abandon them. You help them. You understand that, hey, my son, if my son's playing around with that third person thing or whatever, I'm like, ah, you know, I, I, I get it. I get where he, where he or she is trying to go. I get what he's doing and maybe mm-hmm. I can help yeah. him to, to find that right, that right tone, that, 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 that right, uh, that, that sweet spot that works. So anyway, uh, happy Sunday to everybody, Noah. Uh, great, great podcast. This is, this should be mandatory listening. This is great stuff. This is great stuff for, for athletic uh, achievement and for real life stuff. Um, that's why, that's why I get so passionate about it. I love, uh, you know, you mentioned that book chatter a couple times now, maybe that's a book worth, worth reading out there, but anybody, everybody out there, good luck with your mind jitsu ba- balancing your ego, putting it together, becoming a better version of yourself. We're here every Sunday, one thirty Pacific time. Uh, Noah Green and myself, we usually have guests. We're going to have some great guests on the rest of this year. We appreciate everybody's support. And Noah, we will see you again soon. All right, Frank. Thanks a lot. I will see you next Sunday. Take care. Bye. Bye, brother. That's it for today's episode of Everyman BJJ. Thanks for listening. Look for new episodes of Everyman BJJ every week, wherever you get your podcast or at everymanbjj.com.